I would like to begin this podcast by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. All opinions and discussions on the podcast are purely individual experience, so please consult a doctor or medical professional for more information. Welcome to the Shake It Up Show, a podcast in partnership with Shake It Up Australia Foundation for Parkinson's Research, where we speak to people whose lives have been impacted by Parkinson's disease and hear their stories. My name is Amy Louise Ruffle. I'm an actor, comedian, podcaster, and most importantly, a proud Shake It Up Australia ambassador in support of my dad who lives with Parkinson's. My guests today are longtime supporters of the Shake It Up Foundation. Scott was diagnosed with young onset Parkinson's disease when he was 39 and Olivia has completed regular fundraisers, including an upcoming Point to Pinnacle hike to raise money and awareness for Parkinson's. So please welcome to the podcast, Olivia and Scott Bailey. Hello. Hi. Now we don't often have two guests, so I'm quite excited. It's a full house here on Zoom. (laughs) So uh, we'll, we'll try our best to manage that. But maybe Scott, we can start with you and talk about when you first noticed some symptoms for yourself and what led to that diagnosis. Sure. Well, going back, coming up nearly 10 years, we went through a horrible illness with my my daughter. She got um, autoimmune encephalitis and um, that attacked the brain and she had to basically learn to walk and talk and and, um, do things again. And so during that time, I just noticed my, my, my arm and hand not functioning how it should, but we put that on the back burner until we got, got our daughter stable. And um, I went to a doctor just thinking that I had a trapped nerve or like a pinched nerve or something like that, which was affecting my, my hand movements. And um, he sent me to a neurologist. Again, I just went to the appointment. Olivia asked if, if, she, if I wanted her to come along. I said, no, they're just going to tell me what nerve I've got trapped and what they're going to do to fix that. And after about half an hour with the neurologist, he, he sat me down and, and said, Mr. Bailey, have you um, heard of Parkinson's disease? And I said, well, yes. And he said, you have it. And he, he then subtly said, you're going to get worse. I'll write you a prescription for some medication and see you in three months and left me to walk out the door at that. It was it was quite a shock and um, I didn't, it didn't give me any information or anything. So, yeah, and it was the last thing I was expecting to news I was received at the time. So, and then I, I, I sat, sat in the car for, in the car park for a little while trying to digest it and wonder how I'm going to deliver that news to the, to the family. So obviously it's a it's a shock to get any diagnosis and it sounds like it was delivered in a particularly uh <laughs> I guess brutal um, fashion, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not with a lot of bedside manner might be the, the no, way to say. No, it was two, two weeks before Christmas too, so it was Oh my goodness. So how did you then, I guess, find the composure to deliver that news to the family and learn about what Parkinson's was? Because I'm sure you know, at that time in your life, it probably wasn't a disease that you had a great familiarity no. with. No, well, really, and it wasn't something that I, I thought, you never think it's going to happen to you. And um, I was, I still am, I was a very fit person, always involved in sport. 
um, competed in athletics my whole life and competed in national titles and that type of thing. So um, it ate well and all that type of thing. But you, you find that with a lot of people that suffer from Parkinson's, there's no real trigger for lifestyle. Um, my first initial thought was he's got it wrong. Um, I went into denial first and I thought I spent the next little while trying to prove the diagnosis incorrect, um, which led me to seeing different doctors and um, neurologists and that trying to prove that I didn't have Parkinson's, if you like. Um, but then the, it came, came to the time where I was really sure I refused to take the medication to start with as I thought this, this can't be me. And then um, I got to a stage where things were progressing worse and I knew there was something further wrong. And it wasn't until I took the medication and had a positive effect from the, the medication that really um, cemented the diagnosis. So, Olivia, what do you remember of that time? Um, so I came home from work that night and, yeah, he sat me down and said, just came out and said it. Yeah, had the appointment and I've got Parkinson's disease. Yeah, so after the kids had gone to bed because we've got young children, so that's another factor. So four and seven at the four time. Four and seven at the time. And, yeah, just kind of saying, well, we don't care as long as we've got you. It doesn't matter how we've got you. I guess that denial and acceptance, that can be such a hard process to go through and I totally resonate with sort of being like, well, I want to find something else that's wrong that I can fix rather than maybe a diagnosis. Exactly. Feel like you that's don't- one of the hardest things is the incurable part of it. When they when they deliver you the incurable part, um, it's very hard to accept because, yep. like you say, you, know, you try and find there's got to be something else wrong with me and that I can fix. And you even had in that gap where you were trying to deny it you had ulnar nerve surgery as well yeah arm surgery so they, they did find yeah. like, sorry, hand specials they did find an ulnar nerve entrapment and so I had the surgery on that and that in my my book it's like great they found the real problem I'll get the surgery done and I'll be fixed but it didn't and then a shot and then you were diagnosed from someone else's shoulder condition brachial brachial plexus neuritis was another well. diagnosis so we went through a whole heap of other diagnoses in that first two years before he came to terms with it actually was parkinson's disease and not all these other things yeah mm-hmm. and it sounds like it was an incredibly stressful time for the family given what your young daughter had also been going through <laughs> Like a yeah. lot of things all happening at once and you even think maybe I'm just stressed about that, you know, like trying to find anything else that it could be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she, and she had a very long reco- recovery like over, over years. So you just put on, put your problems on the back burner, if you like, and deal with that for, foremost and, um, yeah. If you don't mind me asking, um, how is your daughter doing now? She's doing doing Okay. Yes. Yeah, she, she's got damage from the the condition. Um, it's damaged her working memory and and um, she, yeah, she has some cognitive deficits now. Yeah. Um, so and struggles with dyslexia and ADHD. But she's in mainstream school and she's very sporty. So she yep. loves sports. So she's a really good runner like that. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's lots of positives there too. Yeah. Yeah. 
it affected her sleep for a long time. So we've only just after 13 years got her sleeping, <laughs> which has been huge, yeah. yeah. Yeah, huge for her and huge for you guys too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> probably not sleeping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does sound like she's following in dad's footsteps with the athletics, which I do want to touch on quickly because you mentioned that that was a big part of your life and some national championships. Like, talk to me about your athletic career. Well, athletics is something that's always run in my family. So um, I competed, still hold the Northern Tasmania 200 and 400 metre record and um, competed like I won a Dunport gift. Uh, like we've got the professional running circuit I used to compete in and made the national final of the 400 metres in 2000 and I think it was 2001. Yeah, so it, it's been and now I've moved into coaching athletics with my, my son and a couple of other other boys, so that keeps keeps me busy. Still keep my hand in. Um, don't don't go for runs so much anymore. But um, yeah, still keep fit and healthy. And still a part of the community. That's obviously been a big part of your life. Absolutely. And so symptoms now. Obviously, that's ten years since you have had that diagnosis. Where are you at with your symptoms? What's a day to day like? Basically, my symptoms are reasonably well controlled with medication. I've had to increase it over over the years, which is common commonplace. Um, I think when I started, I was on three Matapar, which is a levodopa, three tablets spaced out over the day every six hours. That's increased up to five now, and we've added a few other um, medications in to help with sleep, to help with anxiety, that type of thing. Um, it still mainly affects the right side of my body. Um, I don't so much have tremors. But I'm just starting to to get the um, bradykinesias, the 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 unwanted movements. So it's, it's finding that fine balance. My, my current neurologist, who I get on really well with, says I'm a super responder to levodopa. So I'll take the levodopa, and it it has an, like an effect within 10 or 15 minutes, but it often has a too big an effect. And so I get the too much movement, then it burns out really quick as well. So I'm I'm constantly up up and down. And recently I had, I tore my rotator cuff because I, I do gym work with my son in <laughs> in the gym as part of my, I found that as, as good therapy for my Parkinson's as they say, keep active, keep exercising. And um, we, my, we, we got a bit carried away with the bench press and I tore the rotator cuff in my shoulder. That was back in February. And um, so I'd have surgery on that. And that was quite a detrimental experience as it turned out like they repaired the rotator cuff but then I found afterwards the medication and that they gave me and pain relief they gave me for the shoulder stopped my Parkinson's meds from working and I found my whole system basically shut down on me I got blocked up inside very bad my, 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 I couldn't absorb the medication and so I I was taking up to 10 levodopa tablets a day and not getting a response from them and couldn't sleep. Olivia had to move out of the bedroom into onto a mattress on the floor in, a, in the spare room because I'd be up pacing the floor, I had body cramps, and, yeah, that set me back quite a bit. And I'm just getting back to where I was prior to the surgery. So how did you end up? getting through was it just a matter of the pain meds getting out of your system or how did you get out of that sort of mess that the surgery left you in yeah it was mainly like it was constipation was it was a big issue 
um, inside. And so when you're constipated, of course, you can't absorb the medication. So it was getting everything. Detox, a bit detox. Moving, yeah, yeah. Bit detoxing the whole system and getting everything moving again. And because um, I, I always try to take as little medication as I, I possibly can to get by, but the doctor has added added a couple in to help with that as well. But yeah, it was it was an awful awful time. I, I it was awful time like going through it with the with the shoulder as it was. But then to have, have that, I thought, oh my god, what have I done? I've I've completely wrecked my wrecked everything now. But we're back on track now. I still can't just can't lift anything for <laughs> for another little while. Well, glad to hear that you're basically back on track, but it's such a hard juggling act, isn't it? Because obviously medications, you're constantly juggling that side of it, but also you said you're in the gym, you're trying to work out because that's the right thing to do. And then you're injure yourself and you think, oh my gosh, I was trying to help here. (laughs) And then we've got a family business. And so this all happened just before our busiest time of the year, Mother's Day. So, and Scott's our lead delivery driver, organiser, all of that. So that wasn't great, but um, the kids stepped up and um, Scott managed to start driving the week of Mother's Day and Leo, our son, who was 15 at the time, he was the um, actual, like, runner and dropped the flowers to everyone's door. So, yeah, it was good to see him step up. (laughs) Initially, yeah, initially I did it the week before, the week of Valentine's was when I initially did the injury. Oh. So the Valentine's Day to get through and then had the surgery and then we had Mother's Day to get yeah. through. So, yeah, <laughs> it's but, been a fun year. <laughs> but I guess as a family we just get, get together that. and do what needs to be done. We work out a way. It sounds like you guys are very good at finding the silver linings of a situation of, yep, you really did um, botch it in terms of being injured and stuff around the uh, flower days of the year, but it's meant that you've seen your family respond and really step up to that challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I don't want to touch too much on the gym side of things because it might be uh, too triggering after (laughs) what's happened, but in terms of those other like allied health services and interventions, are there things other than just your medications that you're taking that you're engaging in that you find is helpful for your Parkinson's? I mainly manage it myself because of my sporting background. I, like the gym was, was a big part of, I found that the best therapy for me. So that's had to take a bit of a backseat. But um, just being active and getting on with, on with life, timing my medications throughout the day, I try and time them like so they co- coincide with busy periods of the day where I've got stuff on with the kids and 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 that type of thing. So I think the best and I've learnt to if I'm tired to to have a rest. That might mean an afternoon nap at one o'clock because pushing through just it just makes it worse and all the symptoms worse. And then you take more medication and then that keeps you awake of a night time and it just has a flow effect. I've also learnt to um, I'm not rigid with my medication taking. So I've got the time that I, I try and take them, but if I've got a dinner to go to or we've got an event to go to, I'll take extra because I want to live life and do those things. I think doing those things are more important. If that means I have to take an extra half a tablet to get me through, then I'll do that. I've tried um, down here, which is the hard thing with young onset Parkinson's. I went to a PD warrior session that they had had running down here one of the physiotherapists and I went in and I was like me I think I was probably 42 43 at the time and the next closest person age would have been 75 and they all had carers and walking frames and that type of thing and that just freaked me out and I 
got in the car, drove off, and never never went back. Is it, there is that isolation of the. It's a. It's the same disease as what old people, older Parkinson people, get. But you've got an entire entirely different stage of life that you're at. So um, yeah, I, I don't know anyone really that has young onset Parkinson. I don't have like a group or anything to go to. So as therapy, I go to the beach, go fishing with my son. He's he he's tied ties my lures on now instead of me tying tying his on. And yeah, just just being active generally. Take the dogs for a walk. Um doing that type of thing works. Obviously, I mean, Parkinson's itself is such a varied disease regardless, but then you add in the young onset version of it. And I think it's very easy to lump everybody into the same category, but because it is such a different phase of life, of course, it's going to be a very different experience. And so, yeah, sort of a shame to hear that you haven't found anyone else that has is in that same phase of life. But I think we, we find the communities when we need them. And it sounds like you're engaging with plenty of ways that um, make you feel good in your life at this point anyway. I know, are you in Tasmania? Is that what you said? Yeah. 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 So I know in like New South Wales and Victoria, they have specific groups for young onset because, yeah, a lot of people do find it really confronting to go and see a different version of the disease that maybe they're not ready to be experiencing or it's just not relevant. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a hard thing. Like I don't like seeing that what what could be the end result because then it puts you in the mindset of well why why bother trying all this stuff if that's how I'm going to end up. But you're Where, also um, comparing to people that you don't necessarily know what their life was like before. Like absolutely, you an active yeah. person, and so we make these um, assumptions based on not having all of the information, and and if it's going to affect your mental yeah. health negatively, it's it's not worth it. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. So Olivia, um, a question for you. For someone out there that maybe has a family member that is living with Parkinson's, what do you think helps support someone living with Parkinson's disease? So, oh yeah, I think it's um, having that family support without, I don't know if Scott likes us giving him too much sympathy to. No. So we try and step in when we when we can. But I know he likes to be independent and do things for himself. So we've got a little bit of a just um, let's get on with it attitude with our life. It's like, yeah, we might not have been dealt some very good cards, but we'll just play them and just get on with it. Yeah, I think <laughs> with, with Parkinson's, you, you don't want sympathy. You, you want under, understanding, but you're not after sympathy. Mm-hmm. And so I guess a lot of people... What, don't even know that I've got it that I interact with every day and so they'll see me because I'll be when I go out and do what I have to do I'll, I'll be functioning at a, at a level where you wouldn't think I had had mm. Parkinson's and so then when you can't do that same thing that you're able to do yesterday at the same time the following day you get frustrated and um, yeah so it's yeah and like People sometimes don't know how to react to the news when you say you've got Parkinson's disease, and then the next time they see you, they'll go, they'll they'll be over sympathetic, or you'll actually see them avoid you because they don't know what to say. Where you you just want to be treated 
the same. same. But we're just starting to make like a few adaptions within the family. So I usually, if we've got long car trips, I'm the driver. Yeah. Um, And at night time as well. So I'm the main driver, that kind of thing. When we had a camp van, I was the driver. Um, (laughs) And um, just started ordering a few meals in as well for nights where I'm working late. If Scott's not having a great day, um, we're getting some some good home meals um, ordered in and because we try and eat gluten-free, additive-free as well. So we we can, um, we found a few places that do that, that sort of thing. So it's so Scott can still be independent and just heat it up for the kids or whatever just to make those small adaptions, yeah. And I think that's another thing with Parkinson's is you get frustrated that little things, day-to-day tasks that, that become difficult. Like I before I did my shout, I could go to the gym and bench press 100 kilograms, but then I wouldn't be able to stir a cup of coffee. I wouldn't be able to, certain times, I wouldn't be able to write my name or, or cook dinner. Um, yes, yeah, so it's and it's, it's the little things where you get frustrated tying on a fishing hook or something like that, and you just can't do it. You, you, you're trying to tell your hand to move, and it just won't move. You mentioned before about, I guess, people not really understanding and maybe like trying to avoid you because they don't know what to say or something like that. What do you think are a lot of like those misconceptions that people have? I think the major misconception is that you've got Parkinson's, you're going to be shaking all the time, where that's one symptom and it's a whole myriad of symptoms um, that that go along with it. And like anxiety is one, you get anxiety from, from, from the Parkinson's, but then you get anxious about how your acting and you get anxious about how your Parkinson's going to going to react. Uh, I, I know early on I used to be going out to get the groceries and get to the checkout and I'd get really anxious because I didn't know whether I'd be able to get my money out to, to pay. There is people's idea of Parkinson's and it's very limited and small and unfortunately what humans tend to do with a gap in their knowledge is to fill it with fear or judgment. Whereas um, if people have a bit more of an understanding of, sure, there is shaking involved in it, but there's lots of other things, but also you can operate in a very functional and wonderful manner. And it is not a, you know, a death sentence or a thing that means you're incapable of showing up in the community. I think that's like a really important thing too. You said you've got an attitude where you're just getting on with it. And so many people we speak to are that, and we just need the community around to also be on board with just let people get on with it. Yeah. I think uh, also some things that I've had said to me when people find out Parkinson's, they, they give you the, well, you're obviously doing well with it response, which you're obviously doing well right now at this moment, but um, but I think they sometimes look at you well. You, you're looking, you're acting, acting well. You're only young. Do you really have Parkinson's? Um, because they don't see all those times when you're not not so well because you, your day is very up and down depending on your your medication cycle. Um, sometimes you take that and it doesn't kick in for when it should do. And yeah, so I think sometimes people can say mean well, but it's a lot of maintenance and discipline to look well. And I'm doing the Zoom, you can see I'm doing inverted yeah. commas, but it takes a lot to um, be able to show up to an event and be there for an hour and and present well, but people don't yeah. see what goes into that happening. Yeah. yeah, like I find at sporting events with my, my kids, I get uh, any adrenaline makes my, my hands go. So I'll, I'll sit on my hands just to, to hide that or I'll, I'll wear a hoodie where I can put my hands in the front of the hoodie and 
Um, I've worn cups of coffee in the past <laughs> at, at sporting events where you just get yeah overexcited and that the hand has uncontrollable movements. So yeah, and even just timing appointments or you yeah. know things like today, it's like well, what's a good time for you? Um, you know, what's the best time of the day yeah. where your meds are working properly and we can get out that kind of thing. You're always yeah. always looking at the clock when you've got a, you plan your day based on when your medication is going to be at its best, and if something throws that out of whack unexpectedly, um, it can really be the case of, well, I'm not going to be able to do that task, which might be a five-minute task, but I can't physically do that today to put that off to, to tomorrow. Yeah, it's a lot of planning and scheduling that, like we said, people don't necessarily see, but it makes sense to do it because why make things harder? You know, if there are windows that are easier and more accessible to do things, then, of course, lean into that being the way that you schedule the day. Absolutely. Now talk to me about Point to Pinnacle. Obviously you are um, a fundraising queen for Shake It Up Australia. So what is the next adventure? Yes, so we've been doing Point to Pinnacle since I think it was 2017 we first did that. And, yeah, it's classified as the world's toughest half marathon, Um, so 21.1K and elevation of 1,270 metres. So it's very uphill. Um, So, yeah, each year we get our team together and we tackle that mountain. So uh, when is this happening and how can people get involved? Yeah, so this year it's um, on the 19th of November. To coincide with it this year, we're actually running an online auction. Um, so I'm currently gathering lots of items, products and gift vouchers and things from local businesses. Um, and it's been, re- yeah, really good to see lots of people reach out and donate. Um, so we've got about $4,000 worth of items donated so far. Yeah, and we're going to start the auction in October, run it for October. And, yeah, raise some money that way this year as well but people can also jump online and donate and also we sell our candles so we've got a lovely local candle maker ollie and ava who help us make some candles every year and we sell them as well for um 30 and they are bailey's irish cream for team bailey so yeah <laughs> fantastic so what is that um website where can people go online to find out about that the candles Yes, the, yeah, so we can leave some links if you like. We will once we open the auction, we'll have an auction website. Yeah, so it'll be on social media. So we will have the have the links on social media. Yeah, and Team Bailey page, yes. So you? we've got a um Facebook page, yeah, Team Bailey versus onset, young onset Parkinson's disease. And um we've got some links on there. All right. Well, we will include those links in the show notes so people can go directly to that from this episode. And also a quick shout out to the flower business. What's the name of the company? Yeah, so Victoria's Four Flowers. So you can actually order online as well. We've got um, our candles on there, so you can order the Team Bailey candles on there. Um, Yeah, so Victoria's Four Flowers in Prospect. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Scott and Olivia, for joining me today and best of luck with the uh, hike on November 19. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Shake It Up Australia funds groundbreaking Australian research that aims to slow, stop and cure Parkinson's disease. And they need your help. To support Shake It Up's vision of a world without Parkinson's, head to shakeitup.com 
www.ghostsofthecoast.org.au forward slash podcast. Together, we can find a cure.